listening to Beyond Infinity. Michael Simonetti, CEO of And Mine, a digital agency in Melbourne with offices around Australia and elsewhere. Great to be chatting again, Michael. Two beers. I thought it would be good and timely to talk about the Australian Federal Government's just launched the, uh, the COVID tracking app. And probably like, like you and most people in the country, adults anyway, with smartphones, they would have received an alert urging them to get the app. Get and, the app. Give them your yeah, data. Give them your data. And you've got to leave it on. It's got to be on all the time. And I guess that was Ooh. probably driven by privacy considerations. So it's got to stay on in the background for it to be useful. And you've got to have Bluetooth on all Oof. the time for it to be useful Oof. as well. So a bit of a drain on uh, on smartphones, batteries. Obviously, one of the, the concerns was security and privacy and what happens with the data. Does it yep. get on sold? Huge concern. The early responses I have read this morning from experts is that the government has gone to some lengths to address privacy concerns. Now, it's not mandatory to use it, by the way, either. Mm. Um, I believe that already after, within 24 hours that have been launched, there are already a million people who'd installed it and were running it. The benefit of it is that as they wind back isolation measures and they start to allow businesses to go back to you know, something approaching normal anyway, they're going to stagger that. It's not going to be all at once. It'll be a gradual winding back of those isolation and social distancing measures that the app means that if, if they do have outbreaks of uh, COVID-19 um, because of relaxing those measures, so people getting closer together and transmission happening, that they can, they can see. So someone presents with, with symptoms, uh, they say, okay, you got the app. Um, you submit some data. So you're not sharing data until there's a reason for you to share it, i.e. you've been in contact with someone uh, or you've got it yourself. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then you upload the the data to the government and then they use the technology and big data analysis and data mining to, to map who you've been with and then contact those people and say, okay, well, you need to go into uh, into quarantine because you've been exposed to this person. So it provides a way of controlling outbreaks that may occur as we try to get our economy going. So yeah. I mean, that's that's the big reason why a lot of people are in support of it. And, and I, I, for one, am in support of it. I'm not a big fan of, um, you know, government-backed imposts into my privacy, into what I'm doing and who I'm seeing and where I'm going. But... I think that these are kind of exceptional circumstances. Mm. Mm. I'm happy to play both fields on this. You know, I've, I've seen friends, uh, you know, posting absolutely no way. You know, some of these guys are computer scientists, software engineers as well. I'm also happy to play the, well, what are we doing to support and help everything that we can do to help get the economy, to help get things back on track and if technology can help us solve that. Again, I'm, I'm, I'm for that as well. In terms of privacy, happy to unpack that, happy to unpack the benefit, happy to talk on where does this go in terms of giving the government access to this level of information, you know, like, does it ever step back? You know, one of the fears that that people have is, you know, once you give government a power like this, uh, they don't take it away. And, you know, it it sets a precedent uh, and then also... It's not really like for this, you know, like, okay, let's work it out for this. This is a great reason for it. Um, but what happens after, you know, like if that data starts getting used in other uh, circumstances or, you know, in different environments, in legal cases, in, um, in, 
you know, research on crimes? Can, can you get swept up in the dragnet uh, of, uh, of big data in the wrong way? And that's where the real privacy concerns, I, I think, step up. So happy to unpack some of that and have a chat with you again. I've, I've, I don't have a fully f- formed opinion on this yet because I haven't dug into like what can happen next or what's happening now. But from a technical standpoint, I understand it. From a beneficial standpoint, I understand it. And from a general privacy standpoint, you know, I do have a reasonable opinion on that, which again is is very subjective and it's very my own personal belief around uh, around privacy. Again, that, that's probably ninety percent formed because it's been happening for such a long time. You know, yeah. if yeah. you feel that this app is something that's that's going to invade your privacy, then why would you have Facebook app installed? Sure. Why would you use Google? You know, yep, these absolutely. companies are far more uh, aggressive at collecting <laughs> your data yeah. and handing it over to third parties yes. uh, than anything that you're going to see. Uh, you, you know, and again, we, we, I, I really feel like we've seen it all. You know, so what's different about this? Well, it's not mandatory to have it. But the government is saying that they're pushing it, they're selling it, uh, and they're saying things like, you know, you want to get back to the footy earlier. You know, they're using good um, marketing. Yeah, good marketing, good sort of uh, straight that. to the straight to the straight average to the Australian. Heart. Yeah, straight to the heart. You know, you want to get to the MCG or get back to a a, a local footy match, uh, probably with some social distancing applied anyway. Then this is the path. This is a necessary requirement to do that. And and I look. To me, it makes sense to, to harness technology to, to beat this disease and to use computer modeling because this is what they will be, the data will be fed into models which then map the spread of the, the disease. There's a mathematical side to this, as you know, mm. which, is, which is, you know, exponential growth and reining that in. And that's why we've all been locked up in our houses for the last six weeks to stop exponential growth. Now, it doesn't solve the virus. It doesn't, and it doesn't do anything for our economy, as we all know, but uh, it's made us safe. It stopped us getting sick. And, and interestingly, you know, the normal colds and flus and, and more mundane and everyday viruses that, that go around the community because of isolation, they're at record lows as well. So mm. it's, not, it's not just COVID that's been reined in by isolation. Mm. But we do need to come out of it. The government is saying that it's best for Australians to use it and they estimate that between 40 to 60% of the population needs to have the app installed for it to be effective. Right. That's to do with getting enough data and being able to get those models going. So um, how many people is that? Do they? Did they give us sort of? Well, a well, forty, like 40 of the, to sixty percent is a big number of the population. That's right. Well, there's twenty five million people in Australia, and the adult population is probably, I don't know, at least probably about fifteen million of them would be adults. So then, with smartphones, there may be even more. I mean, a lot of kids from. So we're from, talking like five to eight million people, basically. Because kids, kids can't. I don't think they'd be saying forty percent of the entire population. They're probably talking about, as you said, adult population, population that. Uh, responsible for for minors you know minors might need to have a, a permission from their parents to run the app but i think that i mean there's lots of you know young teenagers who've got smartphones and i think mm. that they actually want them to be running it as well i'm not I'm not 100 percent sure on what the, the attitude with minors is yeah so oh look okay let's let's round figure this and say it's you know maybe eight to ten million people and they've got one million so far so mm. you know the the 10 of what they need there's still a lot to go that's yeah. a big. That's a big gap to close. Sure. Um, 
you'll see how how big that number will get this week i think if they've launched it this week you know really in that first week or so you're going to see how, how just organically they're going to get what number you know if they get to 50 percent, maybe they can keep pushing it if they get to two million it's going to be a slog if you can send a text message to everyone in the country at the same time, you know, urging them with a link directly to, um, to the App Store or to uh, Google Play to download it, you have got an advantage. And then obviously they're, they're trying to, you know, to tap people's desperation to get out of isolation. And they're saying this, if you want to get out of isolation, you want us to relax the measures, then install our app. Yeah, it's an interesting one. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'd be interested to see if they get to the number, right? Like whether marketing and uh, partisanship and, and all of these factors that, that dial into politics, irrespective of the security concerns or the privacy concerns, uh, get you to that number. If there was no privacy concerns, it would still be difficult to get to that number. That's mm. my take. That's mm. my gut instinct on that. Um, you mix in the privacy concerns, you know, that's, that's again, I think that's another discussion point but i'm not sure that many people will have a significant problem with the privacy concerns and you'd need a lot of loud voices that scare you to to stop you from downloading it i think the bigger factor is you know just downloading it in the first place yeah well they say it's it is optional you don't have to uh and there's no penalties for not downloading it it's going to have some impact on the battery life of your phone if you've got to run Bluetooth and have the app operating in the background all the time. Interestingly, if it comes, when it comes to deleting the COVIDSafe app, mm. you can delete COVIDSafe from your phone at any time. And this is, this is quoting from the government website explaining the app. This will delete all COVIDSafe app information from your phone. The information in the secure information storage system will not be deleted immediately. It will be destroyed at the end of the pandemic so they're not actually even if you delete the app they're, they're not going to get rid of your data until they're happy to do so well again wh- where do you want to start do you want to unpack the the security concern do you want to unpack the you know the general feeling about this again i think the first number we've covered right like will enough people download it that's going to be i think the biggest factor to get to the amount of data that they need and i'm surprised that they need that much data you'd think that if you get 40% or 30% or something in a, in a general area, like cities or something, like key areas or suburbs, then that's going to provide the incentive to say, look, it's really working in North Melbourne, you know, because we got 50% of the people to download it in North Melbourne and we've got great tracking there and people aren't moving around too much. And they're really just tracking your geolocation and who you've been in contact with with other people's smartphones. But I'm sure that a, a proportion of the data is going to really help them as well. Yeah. So they're going to use the contacts that the app captures to support contact tracing. That's one thing. Yep. They'll then contact people or call them with their phone numbers because you're obviously having, you have to submit your phone number as part of the installation of the app. They'll call them to let them or, or a parent or guardian know. So that implies that kids are being impl- encouraged to install the app as well. And then they're also saying that they will that the service will then, when you're contacted, if you, you, you'll be offered advice, including what to look out for in the way of symptoms, when, how and where to get tested and what to do to protect friends and family from exposure. So, yep. you know, all those things, you'd expect them to be the case. As a layman and as a, as a person who's concerned about public health and trying to get out of this isolation handbrake on everything, you know, I'd be saying, yeah, get as many people onto this as possible. 
and get those numbers up so they at least get to um, a, a sort of uh, number, you know, 40 to 60% of the population yep. um, that, that are going to make it useful to have in the first place. Otherwise, it's a bit of a waste of time. It's not going to give you meaningful, meaningful or useful data. Right. And so we've got to hit that number and you've got to get the people on the fence to download it and install it. So there's this technical component of being able to get that done, mm. uh, which I think is a, a big factor. And, you know, let's say that that is overcomable, like it's just very easy. You click the link and, you know, mom and dad and grandma and grandpa and, you know, kids know what to do and how to get that installed. You know, if that piece figures itself out, uh, then you're really sitting around two, two factors. One, the privacy concern and then how big a deal that is and then also what are they doing with the data like how does it help i'd love to see you know i've dug a lot into the coronavirus and, and looked at all of the data coming out from from you know who and coming out from countries and looking at data from the cdc and looking at pandemic data from the history and and all of that i think this piece of technology more data that you can have, the better it is because yeah. you're armed with more information. So as long as that information is in the right hands and it's been used in a very positive way, then that's what we need. Yeah, look, I, I agree with you. And, and, and I think that, you know, that they have actually gone into, I didn't bother, when I installed it, there's, you know, there's the usual sort of, you can click on a link to see the privacy statement and, and uh, you can look, you can drill down into that. I haven't bothered to do that. There is some mention uh, as far as privacy Apparently, the health minister uh, has issued a determination under the Biosecurity Act to protect people's privacy and restrict access to information from the app. It actually says that it will be a criminal offence to use any app data in any other way than to than to um, help with you know managing <laughs> what, the virus. How long was the terms and conditions that you signed uh, to use the app? I, I, I didn't even bother to look at it. I, you know, yeah. but we they're usually do. you know what we they're like. Do. They're they're like you know they're usually a um, legal a, encyclopedia a, a, of yeah, that's right. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm sure someone's going to pick that apart. You know, there's a lot of good, skeptical legal people in Australia that will provide their advice. The problem with any of this thing is, is who has a voice big enough to combat it, right? Like, if if this if privacy was such a big concern, uh, you know, someone would have a voice. Someone would have a a counterpoint to this. Mm. Whereas, really, we're just throwing up with look, privacy is a concern, yeah. and and privacy is a concern. But how big of a deal is it? Like, again, you, you've signed these type of terms and conditions from Apple, from Facebook, from Google, mm. um, you know, from Netflix, from any provider that you're getting a service from, mm. you, you follow through and you get an enormous amount of, uh, you know, you agree to these terms and conditions. In, even any app, any website has uh, privacy policies and stuff on it these days. So yep. your data is sloshing around the internet anyway. And some of the stuff that Facebook and others have done in the past is is far more invasive than uh, what the type of data that yeah. this is. This is Look, the phrase "we live in a post-privacy world" has been coined for some time now. In a way, I think you you nailed it in the opening remarks of this this discussion uh, by saying if you've got an issue with with the uh, COVID Safe app as it's called, then you would presumably have an issue with most other stuff you do on the internet, whether it's having a Gmail account and having your, the content of your emails mined to target advertising to you, or having all the photos and stuff that gets uploaded to Facebook being subject yeah. to facial recognition technology. And, 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 and the numbers that we quote and, and we utilize to advertise and market to for our clients is you know Google and Facebook have 
thousands of data points, if not more, on every person. Hmm. Yeah, that's a lot of information. Plus, you're uploading your images, your your visual scans, you know, FaceTime on your on your uh, Apple device it has your you know Apple device has your fingerprints, um, has your photo, uh, has a you know a, a visual recognition of your photo fo- of your face. Um, you know, the amount of data that we've already handed over is astronomical, mm. right? Here, the government's asking for us to give over some more data to actually help in a very specific way, uh, which I think is a good thing. Um, I'm absolutely pro the idea of the app and the use of the app, and I'd like to see the data. On the other side of that, though, it comes with a but. On the other side of that, I'd like to see the collection of data transparently shared in a group way and uh, us have access to what they're doing with it. Not 50 pages of legal documentation. This is where it's going, this is where it's helping, this is what it's doing. And I'm sure that that's part and parcel of what they're gonna do. But if it's not enough information that they're providing, you know, because we're party to that information, we're, we're uh, partners in that uh, growth of that information and that sharing of information, then we should be partners in the visualization of that data and how it's working. Yeah. Um, Look, from a, that, from a, a, a you know again from a level of privacy that's allowed. Like I don't want to know what's up at my neighbor's house, but I want to know like in general what the state or suburb or, or or country how well it's progressing, where the hotspots are. You know what's happening with that mm. with that data. And and I, I would hope uh, that they will respond to that sentiment that they will share as much as they can. And you know why not? If you want to see the benefit of how this app's working and this and the safety benefits of, of having it installed and running it on your phone and draining your battery faster than you normally would yeah. then share the data and show how the modeling benefits from using this data and the modeling is I've seen some modeling uh, that's that's available on YouTube and I'll post links with this podcast but it basically allows them to to adjust variables so you know we know what exponential growth is mm. you know from what one person uh, passes it to four each of those passes it to four very very quickly you have what's going on in, in places like New York and uh, and London and parts of China incredibly explosive almost instant growth and instant health disaster and yet using the modeling you can wind back things so if you introduce just one restriction being that people, everyone cleans their hands then that changes the result of exponential growth if you add social isolation as we've done in australia as basically four and a half billion people around the world are currently doing then you change those those models that that would normally be showing exponential growth so you can tweak variables by using modeling and that's a really useful tool. They will be looking to time their their wine back yeah. v- very precisely so, based on the science. Okay, so can I be a little bit controversial here and play devil's advocate? Not, not just on the privacy component, because again, the privacy component is where I already feel that the, 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 yeah, that statement of we're living in a post-privacy world, it's marketing, it, it, it helps you, uh, you know, green light access to your information, but essentially I believe in the statement, okay? It's not only because as a marketer, I've seen Facebook listen to your conversations, you know, your voice conversations. Activate microphones. Right? And you start talking about prams and all of a sudden you see advertising for prams. Mm. Everybody anecdotally knows that this stuff is happening Mm. and no one really cares. So Mm. yeah, we live in a a post-privacy world and, and really, you know, how many cases has there been of, uh, you know, big systems are always going to fault, okay? 
from legal systems, you're going to have people that uh, that get swept up in crimes that are innocent. You know, it, it, it's unfortunate, but that's the nature of big systems. That's the nature of large populations. That's the nature of, you know, not fully knowing your neighbours anymore, or not being involved in the local community as much, or not having a standing in that community to where people vouch for you. So, while we're living in this post privacy world you know where we're, we're apocalyptically connecting to technology and we don't know what's going to happen there needs to be just this general movement back towards community and knowing each other as well and and, and generating uh, a local community uh, understanding and and uh, you know knowing people really knowing people not just hiding behind the the ability to be an introvert because of technology i think that is one of the larger picture challenges yep. that uh, we're going to need to face. And, and does technology solve that well yet? No, it doesn't. Because in fact, the ability to be anonymous in social and, and on posting and create havoc is is an enormous thing. Uh, and uh, you know, we're 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 realizing and going through as a civilization how these things interconnect. And we haven't figured it all out yet. It's everything's so new. That's there right. hasn't been it's, such a technology change like this uh, since the Industrial Revolution. Yes, and we're still trying to deal with the impact of the Industrial Revolution. And, and there are people. There is a growing number of voices around the world um, saying that this century, we are going to be actually answering some very, very pivotal questions about yeah. you know the course of human history. <laughs> It's technology driven. You, you may have heard of a guy called Ray Kurzweil. He's an American futurist. Mm. And he wrote, he wrote a book called The Singularity is Near. Yep. It, it's something out of the Terminator, you know, Skynet. It's this, it's this idea yeah, that you yeah, get yeah, so yeah. much information yeah. being collected yeah. that you get a, um, a singularity. And at that moment, you get sort of self-awareness <laughs> in an artificial sense. And that's... That's kind yeah, the of robots the, start coming out of on us. The so one of it, on the one hand, it's 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 uh, it's it's sci-fi and it's incredible, and, and it's kind of it may have some big benefits because they can solve problems in ways that we can't. Okay, but, so but let, there's some let, scary let, stuff attached to that as well. There is, there is, but don't 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 freak everybody out because again, the jury's still out on that one. Even the technologists in that total in the sphere of AI. You know, I studied AI when I was at uh, at university. You know, I, I look into it from time to time, hmm. and it does incredible things, but there's, there's still a lot of control around it. We're still writing what those algorithms do. For them to have awareness, um, even those topics are, you know, they're good marketing points and they, they sell books and they and they sell audiences, but we, we no one's fully realized how that works out yet. And, uh, you know, the, the, the top guys in the sphere, I, I try to tap in and listen to what their thoughts are. And you got, you know, you've got people sitting in both camps. And you've got to look at the reasoning behind that. So I want to, I want to look and just quickly touch on this and then turn back and, and twist back towards the current government's take on, on the data. Okay, mm. so they haven't figured that, that, uh, that point out yet of when this is going to happen. They've got ideas around the dates. They're, they're saying that the singularity is going to happen and AI is going to be self-aware and we've got Skynet. But they don't know. They really don't know yet. Until you're absolutely right, everyone can forecast it and say, like, this is going to happen. Technology will have a monumental and continue to have a monumental impact on civilization more and more and more. Absolutely. You know, will we have Skynet and the robots start chasing after us? Uh, it's still a it's still a sci-fi thing to me. You know, mm. no one's pointed to any data or, or, or understanding that I've seen that makes that a reality. 
in fact, I really feel at the moment as a as a an optimist towards the human race, there's going to be some technology connections that we have, further technology connections that we have, integrating ourselves to technology that will be scary. They're the ones that I'm I'm be more interested in because you can already see how persuasive and pervasive mobile technology has been to our lives. Okay, that that that's one of the big changes that we're dealing with. Um, but look, look, pivoting back to the government, right? So. Whenever you look at these things, or whenever I look at these things, I look at them and, and, and approach it like this. Okay, I'm for the data, I'm for society connecting together, I'm for uh, uh, you know, the reasoning behind, give them, a, give them the, the, the chance of doing this right. Okay, and pulling the data together, showing it, making sure, show that it works. Okay, not just modeling, not just uh, uh, hypotheticals. Let's see how they go with the data, let's see how, let's see how it works, I'm for that. On the other side of that is, what is the intent? Is it just, you know, the contact tracing component of it, all of that stuff I believe in. But the wider stuff that I'm still uh, interested in for this, for coronavirus especially is, you know, what is, what is the out? How do we get out of this? You know, I'm open to multiple pathways and, and it seems that they are very centered around one pathway which is contact tracing, being careful, uh, you know, opening up the society likely to a certain group of people because um, the elderly and, and people with predispositions that can this can be really affect like smokers or I don't know all of those exact variables, but asthmatics, smokers, you know, people that have uh, uh, very weak immune systems, some of the groups that they're talking about that are highly affected by this. You know, you've got to be very responsible around those people. But what about everybody else? You know, how, uh, how much, and this is one of the things that I'm not seeing in the news or in the media or talked about by government enough, is what are the antibodies already um, that, that the population already has? You know, how many more people were infected than were tested? Because testing came late, right? Testing came late, um, you know, this was already out. They'd started really testing. They weren't testing in Australia anybody that that didn't show symptoms because they didn't have enough tests they weren't testing people that had symptoms that haven't been in contact with people from overseas because they didn't have tests and this Mm. isn't anecdotal this is from people that i knew were sick in in february went to get tested and they said no can't Mm. test you unless you've had direct contact with someone that's come Mm. back from overseas Mm. and again that makes sense because they didn't have enough tests and now they do but the, the thing that I'm really interested in is the antibody tests. So yeah, if we're doing all the data and the tracing and making sure that we're expanding this the right way, what are we doing on the other side, on the, on the science and medical side that gathers that data? And mm. it shows us that, you know, because herd immunity, either via natural herd immunity or via vaccine is the way out of this. Uh, and w- where are those numbers? You know, yeah. like we're not, we're not getting to that point either. Yeah, well, the vaccine one could be a long way away HIV, and there are similarities between COVID, some similarities between COVID and HIV in terms of the way the virus works in the body. Um, but uh, after 25 or 30 years, you know, HIV cropped up in the early 1980s. Uh, and after 25 years, uh, sorry, 30, 30 plus years yeah, of, they, of, uh, don't they don't have a vaccine, and yeah. they've got some, but they've got effective treatments so they yeah. can prolong the life and you take the meds and the meds can come down in price, right? So, yeah. so, that's, so that's AIDS and HIV. And as far as herd immunity, I mean, the British banked on herd immunity and they nearly wiped out their whole parliament. You know, their <laughs> prime minister nearly died, 
you know, yeah, herd immunity. I, I don't think I'd be counting on herd immunity. I just don't think that that. Okay. And and then the other thing about that is that people who've been who've who've been confirmed to have the disease and recovered have then shown to have it again. You know, not necessarily with symptoms, but it's still in their system. So there's a lot of questions about exactly how the disease works. There's question marks about developing a vaccine. It may more likely be a treatment. At least the app allows them to to see, to automate the process of identifying where these the, the little um, outbreaks are occurring and then to take steps to try to close them, to, to, to quarantine the individuals concerned and the contacts of those individuals. It's not a perfect solution, but it's at least... No, giving no, no, them, I, giving I, them a I, way with, to automate I'm, the process. I'm with you all the way on the on the app. What I'm saying is, is that there's a lot of anecdotal stuff floating around in terms of, you know, how, where is this virus at? You know, like we're trying to we're trying to pin down where it's at, where where society is at with this data with the virus. How how are we going to get out of this? And it's sort of a controversial topic, but I'm not advocating for anything except for more data because more data with more people gives us more information. So the same thing that's happening with the app in terms of tracing and in terms of saying, okay, well, we've got this many cases. I'm interested also in saying how many cases did we have? Herd immunity is the way out, whether with a, with a vaccine or naturally. And, you know, again, I, I was looking at studies from Stanford um, that showed the true infection rate in a county in, in the US, in California, uh, was like 50 to 85 times. Yeah, yeah. That's an enormous number. That's right. right? Like, so there's a lot so of people this, who don't have symptoms who've got well, it. Yeah, we the, don't know it's about the, it. It's the asymptomatic people that can get it and just carry it. But again, like because we're not testing those people, that we are, you know, again, it's a sort of slightly controversial topic because we didn't have tests and now we don't have the antibody tests. But like I'd be, uh, and I'm sure they're sprinting to get that information up as well. Well, that's right. And I think they'll be looking at, and I think there's there's all, there's all different tests being developed around the world and they're trying to make them as cheap and as mass producible and as reliable mm. as possible so that potentially they could test everyone, you know, yeah. and, and then quarantine those who, who, who are found to have it and, 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 and um, target the, 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 the efforts of the health services to those people mm. um but but i mean so even my that, only, even, my, even that so, there's so, privacy issues in doing that i mean there's are you going to be ostracized you're going to lose your job yeah, are you going to you going to lose friends you know i mean yeah I, I went to, of, i'll give you an anecdote I, I went to south africa in about in 2006 i went to south africa and aids is and was a really big issue over there and you know i remember sitting on a train over there and and um someone sneezed a black person sneezed and you could see the way that there was this almost this look of shame that they had because mm. one it was a little telltale sign. It might mean nothing, but but might be betraying what was a taboo disease. Yeah, there's part of this as well that that yeah. instead of it being through intimate contact, it's it's uh, it's just through everyday contact. But yeah. but the effects the same. You don't want to have people who 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 see if have a fear of ostrac- being ostracized and therefore keep the whole thing a secret it's like it's like in the early days of, of covid earlier this year in 2020 people were when you were going into countries and you're flying around the world and this is how the disease got spread if you wanted to get in you had a biz, important business trip you didn't want to be delayed you paid for your holiday whatever mm. your best way of getting through is if you had a temperature just take some codral cold tablets you know mask the symptoms yeah. and get through on your yeah. merry way and spread a disease 
and that again there's no there's no perfect solution here we're all trying to figure it out that it, it's chaos at the moment and uh, I'm again I'm for that adding data into the uh, to help understand how how chaotic this is and to bring about knowledge uh, around the virus and uh, you know in in all of its forms and I hope that they are doing that but also um, you know with this app uh, and the other side of this app you know how the information is being used and shared helps not just contain the virus but you know as you mentioned how to stop people worrying that some some guy sneezes I heard the same thing here you know a few weeks before that or a week or so before the shutdown came and everyone starts getting nervous about it you know someone sneezes on the train one of my staff coming into the office someone sneezes on the train the whole rest of the train moves and connects to collects together and then all of a sudden you've got asymptomatic people all breathing on top of each other mm. you know this is it's not easy to work out and no one's got all the solutions and uh you know the government selling me on getting back to the football early isn't my uh, isn't the reason that that we should be going. This is you know that's marketing. Well, and as soon as I hear it's, marketing, it's also it, it's, it's, it's like, also okay, exactly well, they're throwing everything at it. Okay, that's, that's good. right. And it's highly unlikely that you will be going back to the footy anytime soon, especially big, big matches at the MCG, because it's just not going to work like that. But maybe yeah. you might be going back to the footy at a local level. You might be able to go and see, you know, a, a, a crowd go and join a crowd of uh, you know a hundred watching a match. Uh, rather than a, a crowd of a hundred thousand, but I, th- I think the great thing about not not this technology, but all technology and all data, is there's a great and enormous ability to share information well amongst people and find out things and dig deeper. Um, and uh, I like you know I think this is the first time we're facing something like this as a civilization where we, we have a lot more data. You know, it's not something that we're going to just discover in hindsight. We are able to forecast how things look um, and uh, and where the numbers are. Uh, but at the same time, you, we've got to be critical around that data. We can't just, you know, suck it up and go, okay, well, this is great. We've got the data and we're going to just follow uh, lockstep how the government presents this. Like there should be further questions of how it's being used and what other options are there and, and, and how are those things being given as much uh, in, you know, value or importance or, or checking in on and then at least explain that. So that's my, my, my concern isn't over the security of the data. My, my, my concern is always what are we doing with it? How is it being utilised in in, as a benefit? Sure, sure, sure. And, and there are plenty of, ex- well, there are some examples, unfortunately, because these apps are being used around the world. So they're yeah. being used in Asia already, uh, at least things with the same intention overall, but exactly the, the privacy restrictions or privacy um, uh, assurances, uh, that, that side of it varies from, from country to country and app to app. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and I think there are some examples in uh, in in parts of the world where where clearly governments are taking advantage of this for other reasons. You know, they're, they're and and in fact they're they're taking advantage of, of states of emergency. They're taking advantage of isolation. There's political agendas and and other Ooh, things yeah. other things going on apart from just responding to a, a health emergency. So mm. you know, we, we it is right to be concerned. It is right to be aware and wise to the possibility of data misuse. For me, what you said about you're already surrendering your privacy in a massive way and you have done for years to the likes of Facebook and Google and Apple and others. So to me, it's like 
what's the difference? You know, th- this at least has a health benefit. The privacy concern, it's good that it's on the radar. You know, like the, the, the genie's out of the bottle with, uh, with privacy anyway. Like we're already swept up in it and uh, we're already giving access to, to devices and applications and platforms anyway on a massive scale. So uh, it's, it's better that this is on the radar of people thinking about it and seeing and watching what happens on the other side. That's, give your data over. It's totally fine. Uh, what happens next with that data? You know, uh, uh, do the government continue to, over, what happens in a few years from now? Where does that data land? Uh, you know, how's it used? Yeah, m- maybe they've promised to delete it. I haven't read all their terms and conditions. Mm. Um, no one ever really does, you know? And even if they do, on the scale of do people care about the privacy, obviously they don't. Otherwise, we wouldn't be using the platforms that we're using today. It's an interesting and a big issue is, you know, how do you get trust? You know, in a world where people have become really dubious about information, you know, fake news, you know, mm. there's, there's a lot of uh, people who are very dubious about, uh, about all forms of media, regardless of source. And uh, it means that even worthy causes can't get questioned, you know, yep. and, there will be, and there's a percentage that reject it just out of, out of just general uh, phobia or, or, um, or, or skepticism. Mm. So, so uh, you know, it's, it's how do you restore some trust in the world? Uh, in a kind of general way but when there's especially when there's when there's uh, worthy causes or when there's in fact not even worthy when they're actually you know life and death causes that are, yep. that are involved yes uh, and and that becomes a really important thing and that that and then another one of that directly related is 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 trust in science uh, and 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 these are these are really important issues and there have been um, gradual erosions of those 20 30 40 years ago people didn't didn't doubt things the way they do now uh, and it's a pr- and it so they should though, Pierce. Mm. So they should. That's the thing is we should be doubting because of the m- enormous change around technology. And I've seen this from my university all the way through. Like technology is so it is omnipresent, and we we are too uh, flippant to just absorb it without thinking what happens on the other side. Mm. Yet, but mm. I think people the awareness of you know fake news and and agendas and political agendas. We're, we're having that conversation and, and again we're starting to sit in camps around that and maybe this is something that has happened for forever right that you support one party or another or one group or another or one agenda or another but it, it's such it, it comes with such gray hues around those decisions that the that i think what people are also organic that's organically happening is because technology is so much more complicated all of us are thinking uh just on a deeper level about things from having to use the platforms to having to use the technology to understand how the logic works of particular platforms um, as that becomes stronger and stronger uh, within you know generationally the generational change around technology uh, you know perhaps ideas have more nuance over time and people do understand that there is that there is more to things than just one side or the other Sure, and 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 that's that's always been the case. But I think this this ties into stuff that you've said in separate uh, discussions, where you've said you know the best thing is to actually get educated yourself. You said to me um, uh, recently that you know one of the great things about being forced to work from home, work out how to get a computer running uh, WebEx or running mm. um, some specific software for your kids or for yourself to run your business, uh, is that you actually start to become computer literate you start to train your brain to work in uh, along logical pathways which is the way that computers work the way that applications run uh, so there's a 
that's, that's actually a good thing, you know. I mean, the good yes. thing about for kids out of this is that they become, depending on their age, but, um, you know, kids are learning, becoming, they're being forced to become, they're getting an accelerated course in computer literacy by necessity. So, uh, you know, that's, that's, that'll be one of the good things that comes out of this. You'll have, a, you'll have a bunch of kids who've had an intensive six weeks or however long it is, two months, mm. three months of, of learning about computers in, in an accelerated way, which they wouldn't have got at school. It would have taken yeah. much longer. So, so same thing applies to understanding issues about privacy, about big data, about, um, you know, manipulation of data. Best thing to, to do is to get it, you know, del- delve into it and, and get educated yourself and form a, as educated a, an opinion as possible. From as wide, from as wider and broader pool of, of um, opinion as possible. Couldn't agree more, and, I, and that 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 understanding of depth of knowledge around these around technology is a huge benefit. Mm. I'm hoping that that translates into the social fabric in a way that you know people understand more complexity around something technology, and they start to apply that thinking or that style of thinking organically to other. Uh, themes and topics like politics like dealing with uh, my most fervent interest is science and technology like how does the science apply here don't be spoon-fed by the government get interested in science understand that there is more detail to things if you can figure out a social network if you can figure out your computer if you can figure out video conferencing you're on this on, on a pathway that has a, a much deeper complexity than you know something that you've used in the past a kettle a car a, a, you know a kit you know your kitchen all of those tools that are designed to be very simple and don't have hidden nuances behind them that technology does mm. you know you and I have to figure out we have to set our audio settings at the same level to get a better quality that stuff happens over time mm. and all of those complexities are, are being built into us through this process of technology being uh, omnipresent in our lives. And, and, and we all, we, you know, most people are aware now that the STEM jobs are the jobs of the future. So, you know, it's, yeah. there's, a, there's an economic and there's a livelihood um, aspect to, to what you're saying. And that is that if you want to, you know, a lot of jobs are going to be wiped out through automation. It's already happening. It's already happened. Mm. Um, and if you want a job in the future, learn coding, get literate, there's no doubt about it. And look at all the people who are studying in Australia. You know, a lot of them are studying for technology jobs. You know, from overseas, I'm talking about. They're yeah. coming here to pick up skills because we've got great lecturers. We've got a great knowledge base. Those are the jobs that they're training for. They're not training mm. training for jobs um, in old school industries uh, as much. Again, the, they say learn coding or learn STEM. Again, I'm a huge advocate of STEM. I, I, I'm a STEM student. I see the benefit of it. Uh, Fast forward one generation, you don't know the jobs in STEM that are going to go either. So if you take one step back from that and say, okay, where's the real value in anything in civilization? It is around ideas. Ideas that matter, ideas that change things, ideas that turn your head, you know, from from in, in every industry, in every place, be it entertainment, be it STEM, be it you know, working in any particular job, the person that is uh, creative and commercial and understands the value of an idea and how important and the depth behind those ideas, they're the things that are always going to have resonance in society and that, that will be valuable. You know, if you sit there and push buttons, whether it's coding or whether it's on a factory line, 
you know, unless you're adding value to that environment, all you're doing is is you're a cog. And, you know, don't be a cog. Like think outside what is being provided to you and try and add to that knowledge. That that's what civilization is based on. The growth of knowledge, you know, us standing on the shoulders of giants, understanding everything that's come before us, which is phenomenally uh, mm. technical and and, mm. and 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 the level of depth. But those, you know, being understanding what happens in our environments is important. Without, and again, this is something that people get swept up in is bias. You know, you, you've people are starting to understand the concept of being you know checking your own bias you, you know you, yeah sure the, the term cognitive dissidence and and those sort of ideas they're very new ideas to civilization but people are starting to understand that there's bias in the things that they do and if we're going to come together as a civilization we need to understand that more mm, yeah that's right and understanding your, your preconceptions or your misconceptions which which you've lived with for so long you're not even yeah. aware that they're wrong yeah. and then you and then you so yeah so you what it's 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 training. It is a way of thinking about the world, and it's it's it does rely on an open mind. And what an open mind means is that you just don't close yourself off to new information or to different opinions. You have to have an openness. There has to be a readiness to accept um, different points of view and and new information. And that and that is what STEM is. STEM is a formula for training your mind to think that you're never really smart enough to know the exact answer, mm. right? It's all trial and error. It is all checking, you know, something can come from left field and completely change the model. That That's what gets drilled into you from STEM. Don't think that you know all the answers because you know the math or that, you you know, because you've, you've done that much uh, analysis of the physics that you get it all. It is only absolutely true, uh, you know, to a point. And then it gets tested again. And that's, you know, that's a great thing about life, that we're constantly evolving. Uh, but as soon as you say, okay, well, this is my absolute position and there's no other way around it, um, then again, I, I think you've just set yourself up for, a, for, a, for perfect bias. And again, that's what, with this app in terms of security, great, let's, let's see it work. Show us what's on the other side of that. That's what I'm really interested in. And I'm interested in how well this works. Yeah. You've done the modeling. You know, the government stuffs up so many things. Mm. <laughs> they get a lot of things right. They stuff up a lot of things as well. Mm. If, you say to the go- if you say government and good software or good websites or good technology, those things, they're, they're oxymorons. Like, <laughs> I've seen them stuff up so much software. It's, it's unbelievable. Spend so much money on yeah, technology yeah. and get it wrong and look get it the, wrong and get it the, wrong. Look at the NBN. How are they going to get this right? You know, yeah. this is life or death. The NBN is, you know, your internet speed, right? And how fast it rolls out. They get it right eventually. Mm. But it might so be completely different technology. I understand technology. people worry about this. Great conversation. The proof will be in the pudding. And, <laughs> and if Australia can wind up using this sort of app to come out early and to come yeah. out strong yeah. and to manage outbreaks and stuff, do all the things it's intended to do, then you know there's going to be competitive advantages for countries that come out safe because if international flights are going to ever open up again in the way maybe they won't for really quite a long time in the way that we're used to but international flights will be between safe countries trade and business and outflows of of money that has to be deployed you know big pension funds and stuff they've still got to deploy capital around the world they're going to look at places that, that are safe that have got control of covid Mm. as destinations so there's a lot of big 
financial incentives, the big uh, gains and benefits if it works, like massive. So my, my position overall is like, let, let's go for this, but watch what's happening here and elsewhere. What are the benefits we got from this? And there's the great thing about, again, there's a lot of tragedy around this. There's a lot of death and a lot of pain. Um, so, you know, taking all that aside, you know, if you just look at it as, you know, a really aggressive black and white science perspective, that there is every possible model from herd immunity to states in the US that are trying different things, you know, they've got 50 different concepts. In Australia, we're, we're doing this, we've got an approach because we're quite a connected small country on the scale of things. Mm. So this is our approach. Okay, I'm with the government. Well, I think we all need to support what's going on here to get the best effect. If everyone is disjointed, then there's no point going after any model. Then we're just on a random trajectory. And that, that makes less sense because we've got less overall understanding and control. We will still understand it later in hindsight, but I'd rather be on the side of, okay, well, let's try something rather than maybe anything random. And you can see places in the world that are trying things random. Let's see in hindsight which one worked out better because then we're going to understand how this particular pandemic worked out, who did well, who didn't do well. And I think all of those test cases are already out there. Watch them all. Watch all the interesting ones. Watch Sweden. Watch particular states in the US. Watch where there's been high incidences like Italy and New York. And watch countries that are doing well, maybe because of under-testing, maybe because they've actually figured, figured something out we haven't. I think there's no question it's easier to have a consensus when you've got a smaller population. You know, look at New Zealand and Australia and you know, geography, a whole bunch of things. We've, we've got some advantages and, and there's going to be some real benefits to getting on top of this ahead of the pack. Yeah. Um, that's, you know, look, and it, it's, it's, it's terrible to see lots of people losing their lives in, in certain hot spots around the country. It really is. It's scary and very sad. Good chatting with you, Michael. You too, and, mate. Michael Simonetti, CEO of And Mine, talking with us today. So thanks a lot, Michael. You're listening to Beyond Infinity. Thanks for listening. Remember to visit our program website, beyondinfinity.com.au, where you'll find our complete back catalogue of over 600 podcasts. That's beyondinfinity.com.au.